0: Welcome back to AgChat, the podcast where we close the knowledge gap between the average producer and the average consumer by debunking common misconceptions of agriculture. Today, I am joined by Dr. Keeper, a professor at the University of Georgia, and we are going to be covering the topic of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences, or AES for short. So, Dr. Keeper, why don't you start off by giving me a little bit of background information on you?
1: Okay. Um, well, thanks. For inviting me to come today, I really enjoy talking about this subject. I came as a research engineer. My background was in environmental. Um, I actually came from a municipal wastewater treatment situation. I had an animal science degree from Tennessee Tech University. But when I came in 1998, I was a research engineer in our uh, engineer and outreach service in our old Bionag engineering department. And while I was here, I actually went back to school. I got my faculty position after I got my PhD. Uh, Now I've been here at the
0: university uh, for almost 25 years. So just to jump right in, are common misconceptions of agriculture in AES harmful? Oh, certainly, because today you can put it out
1: everywhere. And so it is incredibly harmful because people really don't understand the role that agriculture plays. And the irony that you couldn't be complaining about it if it didn't exist, which is always kind of strange.
0: So are those misconceptions more harmful towards the producer or the consumer, or which one do you think it hurts more and how? Well,
1: I think it it hurts both, uh, no doubt, in my mind. I think from the, the fact of the matter is this misinformation or just not understanding the system holistically uh, basically means that the entire physical structure that exists is under attack, and people don't understand. I, but the bottom line is agriculture is the most revolutionary thing that ever happened to the human race it's, or any other race It kind of kickstarted society, right? It, it is the foundation of civilization. When I ask, part of, the, part of that class is the survey, and I ask, what are you, and I'm doing my air quotes here, what are you going to be when you grow up? If you answer anything other than subsistence hunter gatherer, you can thank agriculture. If you're going to be a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, all of it is possible because of agriculture. Without agriculture, you're responsible for getting all the calories you need for a day,
0: and all the fibers you need to make your clothes. Everything. All the transportation. Everything.
1: And it all's rooted in in this idea of agriculture. Is is agriculture all good? Of course not. Is agriculture all bad? Of course not. It's always somewhere in between. But the fact of the matter is we have billions of people on the planet, 8 billion, right, uh, at this point and growing all the time. But unless you're prepared to have millions of people on the planet, large-scale commercial agriculture isn't going anywhere, Because that's because of agriculture and then growing to where it is today. You couldn't have billions of people on the planet. You couldn't have labor specialization, right? We couldn't be sitting here doing a podcast. We'd have to be out trying to get calories and competing for those calories even today if it wasn't for large-scale agriculture. And so every day people think this idea of of going backwards – just isn't practical you just got to realize that you can't do that and keep maintain the I'm population i'm not even has. sure it's possible well it's it's there's always room for improvement there's always room for niche things when we talk about, you know, That's we've had here, p- with the conversation, right. My when, niche. It's, when you hear words like all natural and uh, organic and all these different things where people are trying to do free range that you hear so much of when we see in the poultry, all of those, none of the, I'm not saying any of those don't have a place in the mosaic of whatever the production of calories in this world. But the fact of the matter is, that can't be the main system. If it is the main system, you're not supporting 8 billion people on the planet, uh, which not. we do very effectively and we can do continuously uh, when we get into discussing yeah. you know, how much food is out.
0: So much of my questions and topics are interrelated, so it's kind of hard to pick exactly. just one. Sure. Say, what's the most common misconception you hear about in AES.
1: Is this idea that big agriculture, we we call it industrialized, Industrial. whatever, is a bad thing. Is it's just the misconception that it is just holistically a bad concept. And it's simply not. It is why we are what we are on this planet. And it functions every day, and it functions very effectively. And there are things that have to be corrected that people work on and scientists work on on a daily basis. But it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to think that we have a planet that we can have, you know, 8 billion people on. And I tell students every day, may like it, may not like it, whatever your thoughts are, but the fact is... Not only would the University of Georgia not be here because of agriculture, frankly, you wouldn't be or I wouldn't be because 99 point whatever percent of the population wouldn't exist. So that 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 plain, simple misconception that big agriculture equals bad agriculture is the is the biggest one I deal with and try to get students to understand the mosaic of agricultural sort of systems that have to exist. A web. Exactly, to make it work. But you can't plug out this industrial agricultural piece, whatever you want to call it.
0: Oh, that's uh, cherry picking. And make one. it
1: work. And, and and it still works. We just can't do that and maintain this planet, uh, human population on this planet.
0: Or big terms in AES is runoff yes. and how terrible runoff is and would you mind talk, touching on that a little bit on just how runoff is harmful and is it as bad as people think it is
1: so uh, this gets kind of into the science part of things and and introduce so when it comes to runoff the biggest uh, issue that tops the list if you will is a eutrophication this has to do with the nutrient balance on the planet, nutrients that we know of and deal with every day, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Look at old NKP. That's right, which is what you look at on your fertilizer bag. Those, those, those nutrients are absolutely essential for, for life on this planet. Couldn't have it without them. But, like everything else, in like water, it travels. These things travel through the environment in a cycle. Um, and when they get unbalanced, there's a problem. So the issue with runoff is every natural water body, and over time, organics, leaves, animal poop. Everything enters there over time, and it slowly starts to change. Uh, Through eutrophication, it's called, which is the natural aging of water bodies, every lake in the world will, over time, it will fill in with organic matter that'll start to uh, root, and becomes what we know today of as a peat bog. You go to Lowe's, and and you buy peat moss. That's basically harvested out of a bog that used to be a pristine lake. Now, the point is, is this is supposed to happen over an extensive period of time. Technically, eutrophication is a natural process. So the problem is cultural eutrophication, meaning something adversely or out of balance adds to that system. And in this case, the culprit is man. And that is by the use of where agriculture gets a blame so much of the time. Fertilizers. that we put under uh, Undue amounts, excess amounts of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and other nutrients into water bodies, and then these cause an imbalance of the water system, and that's where then we hear about the Chesapeake Bay and these algae. So ultimately, when we talk about eutrophication, agriculture is certainly, and this has always been agriculture position. We're certainly part of the system, but it's always about what slice of the pie, if you will, are you being given. That's part of this blame. One of I
0: know a lot of people suggest that when they hear runoff, they immediately think of pesticides or herbicides or fertilizers that runoff and then accumulate into other organisms that work their way up the food chain and then into humans. But that's almost regarding the half-life of these chemicals, which is way way shorter than it used to be. I think the very top end of the scale for a chemical today before it starts breaking down is 2 weeks when yes. it used to be a lot it used to be years.
1: Well they were they were developed to be as long sustaining as they could, because the issue during the what we think of as that green revolution that we're talking about, in, like we talk about in, in the AESC 2050, Late is, is starting even in the 40s, the oh. 50s, the 60s, into the 70s. But this idea of the environment wasn't that top priority. It was about feeding people. And so this idea of long-lasting chemicals was the goal lots of times. And so you're exactly right. These chemicals are much less pervasive and sustainable, right, in in, in the open environment. They're engineered
0: to break down.
1: That's right. And ultimately, those things do enter the waterways. But one of agriculture's, and I see it all the time because I do it myself, as I bring up in class uh, every semester, Um, think about a farmer's livelihood when it comes to any sort of uh, pesticide, herbicide, insecticide, fertilizer—does it make any sense commercially to waste a drop of that? They're going. Uh, farmers calculate. Um, we deal with. I deal with uh, uh, poultry farmers all the time that have nutrient management plans. They're watching every pound of nitrogen and phosphorus on their farms. But who out there in our population doesn't watch what they use? Well, there's lots of studies out there that'll show you that the worst runoff produced in this, typically in this country, is around urban areas the first time it rains on a beautiful, after a beautiful spring weekend. Why? Well, it's In
0: Impermeability.
1: Impermeability, the source is, but what is the source? The source is every person like you or I. I'm picking on you, but I'm this way that goes to Lowe's, goes to Walmart, doesn't really know NPK. I'm not a pint and soil specialist. I buy a bag of fertilizer. I don't know if you've ever read the back of a bag of fertilizer. I haven't.
0: I've been I don't bored, look but at I haven't been that <laughs> bored.
1: I don't look at the bro- I don't look at the the pounds per acre rate. What do I do? I fill up my Scotts. Not picking on Scott, but I fill up my my fertilizer spreader. I put it on and I run it over my yard. And if I don't have a spreader, I put my hand in the bag and I throw it. I broadcast it over my yard. Well, what do you think happens the next time I get an inch rain, in that area when me and all my neighbors. Oh, yeah. Are basically, and, and by the way, you can go back and find some of this data, how many pounds of commercial fertilizer can you, you know, that, you know, that all the big box stores sell in the spring, that's all going on the ground somewhere. And I would argue almost never at the agronomic rates it needs to. And so when you look at these, these urban or suburban areas after rains in spring, Oh my goodness, the nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium, it's just exploding. It's not ag. It doesn't make sense for agriculture to waste a drop of anything. Uh, It's your business. But for me as a homeowner, I mean, I I still will argue, and I'll argue this forever uh, the average homeowner wastes and and damages local streams and, and rivers far more than any large farmer has even the potential, to, uh, even the, uh, any reason to do because of the, the business sense of it. Um, and so, yeah, agriculture contributes, of course they do, but nothing like some of these other sources that simply are, are there that aren't nobody talks about.
0: Okay, I want to talk about two more things before we wrap this episode up. And the first one is going to be the knowledge gap between producers and consumers and uh, on the on the global scale and how it's more or less positively correlated to the generational gap because so f- so many fewer people have to go into agriculture because of advancements in technology and chemicals and selective breeding and gmos don't shoot me for saying it <laughs> and i think a lot of the disconnect between people and farmers is because not everyone has a dad that's a farmer or a first cousin that went into agriculture because the sheer scale of industrial agriculture is successful and ideally sustainable. I won't say usually because I haven't conducted any research on that, but you know, in a perfect world, it's sustainable, stuff's breaking down, stuff's being harvested accordingly. The runoff is negligible. And it's just, that's just one of the first things I thought of was generation and knowledge gap are almost the same thing to me.
1: Yes. And, and uh, th- that leads into probably, it's interesting because you bring that up because it brings up probably another major misconception for me. And, uh, and that is the whole imbalance between um, and this is generational, too. This is one of those generational gaps I see is the idea that um, is the information for most – all this information's out there. If you want to look at it, you want to find it, you want to dig and find it, you'll find the information. It exists. The problem is is that people just don't take the time to look at it. From a generational standpoint, and the misconception is this, is – the misconception is that, that agriculture is in somehow colluding. To keep information out of people's minds, and also
0: and also destroy the planet.
1: That's right. Like the like there are uh, for like a, for 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 younger people, you might not remember the X Files, but it's the old, it's the smoking man, right? That there's a there's a smoky room where these uh, powerful people get together and they're trying to collude and and the
0: uh, agriculture Illuminati. Uh,
1: and even back when you poisoning our the, people, when when uh, when you took the course and I showed uh, Food Inc. the movie Food Inc. one of the big messages of Food Inc was this idea of collusion was this idea that at big ag was actually colluding to tell not let you know this information and I use the example in class of asking people about the last time you you flew a commercial airliner and then I asked well what was the pilot's name Uh, what was the maintenance record on that plane uh you mean you're going to jump on something that goes, you know, 35,000 feet in the air? You're going to sit in a chair, 35,000? You're going to put this in somebody's hands?
0: You don't know the last time that thing was serviced. You don't
1: have any idea, but we have to. The point is, you got to live your life. So, yeah, when I buy this steak or I buy this, make this salad, I'm making assumptions that there are professionals behind it who... If they don't do the job they're supposed to do, they're not going to be sustainable. They're not going to stay in business. And I have to, I can't go through my life trying to, you know, dissect every physical thing that might happen to me at a certain level. So does that mean that somebody's colluding to keep information from you? Or does it mean that you understand that there are professionals, that this is their life's work, and they're not in the job to destroy you or the planet or anybody else because they have children. They have grandchildren. They would love – if you, you know how many people in agriculture I meet every day that are so excited because not only are their kids interested, which isn't always the case, but their grandkids are interested in coming into a business. And believe me, these aren't people – that are doing the wrong thing. Uh, they want it to be right for their grandkids and those grandkids' grandkids. So this, con- this concept that somehow, you know, we're just trying to pull the wool over, and I understand the buyer beware and all that in life. We ought to be cynical and ask questions, and, and do, but we also have to live. And you've got to – I've got to make a living. you got to make a living. We can't dissect everything and go – just like I I can't uh, – I don't I, – I can't get a 30-page report on the pilot and the plane that I'm about to get on if I need to go to a conference, you know, uh, two hours, three hours away on a plane flight. I can't do that. And. So believe me, that's the one of the misconceptions, and this generation is, you know, uh, of the younger people. I think a lot more, a higher percentage of this population is is thinking this sort of collusion sort of mm-hmm. attitude. Uh, there's there's got to the be. Some, yeah, that's right. There's they're mm-hmm. always planning the next move, uh, and business drives it. And the consumer drive. Gosh, every time we I start talking, I think of another misconception. The idea that that we don't understand that the consumer drives everything.
0: Yeah, uh, this episode. A yes, as this episode's topic, I knew it would be kind of a umbrella episode, mm. just because it could very easily go into it chemicals, flies. plants, yeah, pests, sustainable, all of it, because it t- it has a iron in all of those fires. And the last question I want to – or last topic I'd like to bring up is the misconception that we do not grow enough food as farmers to feed the population of Earth.
1: Yeah, and and that is a misconception. Um, I I put it out there for students to explore themselves, but the numbers don't lie. Um, Affluent countries, uh, America is a great example of that, In the U.S., 40% of all the food we produce never makes it into somebody's mouth. Let me say that again. 40% of all the food we produce is never eaten. Okay, And I use the example of uh, bananas, you know, and I show a picture of a banana that's got a few brown spots on it. And I ask our class, honestly, would you eat this, you know? And time is, times are changing. There's been a generational thing. People are starting to understand that that's not bad food. But early on when I talked, the course, a large number of students, no, that's, that's rotten food. Oh, I uh, about I the
0: uh, formation of baby carrots or how yeah. <laughs> those took off because they were just – carrots that weren't straight as a pin but then somebody took them because they were still safe to eat and just shaved them down to what they are.
1: So, so when you put numbers like that, you realize, right, that the, that this is a this isn't a, um, a problem of too many people and not enough food. It is matching people up where the food a logistics is. issue. It's a logistics issue and we talked about we talk about that very early in my class about uh, when we associate hunger in the world and match it up with continents, most people think Africa. Africa tends to be one of these continents that's highlighted as a hunger problem, and it is, but it's also the com- the, the continent that has the lowest, uh, remember the buzzwords of the big three, when we start talking about non, non-perishable, storable grains, which kind of are the mechanism that runs this, ma- this 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 modern agriculture system, corn, rice, and wheat, the lowest production from a continent standpoint is Africa. They import, have to import most of that. Uh, your affluent countries, the U.S., Australia, European countries, are massive exporters of those. They produce so many more calories than are needed, one because of just just the the use of technology again, this the, the terrible industrial agriculture, the reason we're able to do that is because of the power of that technology and produce that many more calories. So the fact of the matter is, is there enough food? Oh, yeah, and by the way, you learned in class, there's over the decades, you know as late as when I show in nineteen sixty nine when Paul Ehrlich wrote the Population Bomb, which was a book forecasting. The devastating loss to population in the 1970s, he said in that book, and I'm paraphrasing, not it's not a quote, but basically saying, "Hey guys, we're done. There's no way we can keep up with this, you know, exponential growth of population with our food. The 70s is going to be the decade where billions of people are going to die. We're going to use, I mean, we're just not going to keep making it." And of course. Just, right but
0: that's been foretold just because people think we don't have enough because food. we
1: that, that because the population and the food were that's where those lines were going to cross right the population was going to surpass food output and we just couldn't we could there's no I way we're going to make that it were true. isn't that the truth and we, and and that is that doomsday sort of thing that was revisited all the way back for it's, it's you know for hundreds of years at this point and and it, the simply uh, you mean there. the
0: goal of the Illuminati agriculturist <laughs> that uh, want to delete humanity? There you go. Because they're not humans themselves, yeah. I guess. There we go. So if you go to UGA right now, and I know most of you do, take AESC 2050 with Dr. Keeper. You're going to learn a lot. I know I did, and I have a background in agriculture. But just remember, the river's on fire. They eat horses in Italy. He's going to show you a video of people doing the mashed potato after showing mashed potatoes, I'm having to unearth these memories from six years ago, and uh, I, if I have to do it, you do too. And uh, thank you very much for joining me, Doctor Keeper. My pleasure, anytime. Is there anything you want to add? No, just uh, I love the power. I love I love the fact that uh,
1: you got you students come out and search us out these old guys and and do these uh, crazy new things. <laughs> like podcasts, but this is this. Uh, you know, we we're out here white, uh, wanting to write uh, white papers and put them on a shelf, and uh, just appreciate you guys reaching out and and getting this information in a medium that. Oh, a modern medium. Sorted. A modern medium. That's yes, that's, that's uh, the key, and uh, and and that's why I couldn't wait to come over and do this.
0: I'm very glad you did. Uh, thank you, Doctor Keeper, and. Make sure y'all tune in for our next episode of poultry misconceptions and where they came from and most importantly, how to combat them. Thank you for listening to Ag Chat. Make sure you follow, subscribe, and visit our website if you have any more questions. Remember, y'all, put the, let's put the culture back in agriculture.